Well, on the recruiting trail, we're all in this phase of waiting, aren't we? We're all in that phase of anticipation. When are guys actually going to commit? We've got a little bit of a timeline for some of these guys. We'll talk about that today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks wherever you are listening to or watching the show right now. Thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing, and all of you who have done so already. An extra special thank you. If you haven't already, please do so. It helps a lot with the show, and we are just all in on recruiting season, and it has uh, kind of got this 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 big feeling of anticipation. And to be honest, you know, I think it could either be a really high high. It could also be a little bit of a low low with regards to the the recruiting expectations that we've got here for Dan Lanning and the staff in the 2023 cycle because they're, they're kind of swinging for the fences. I won't say exclusively, right? There's some solid guys in there, and there's a, a decent number of players in Oregon's a caliber of school where you expect to get at least a handful of commitments, but there are a lot of big-time recruits in their sights, and I, I think it could be a situation where you know, we, we get more than we're maybe expecting, and then we're feeling extra good, or we don't get nearly as many as we want, and it just has this feeling of like, Boy, they, they were swinging for it. They missed this time, but hopefully they can pick it up. But let, let's hope that the, the good stuff is what ends up coming down the pipeline. But question came in via Twitter, and you should know mine now. The four ways you can get a question answered here on the show. You tweet the hashtag AskLODPod. You DM me at Smalls underscore 55 or at LockedOnDucks. DM's wide open. Or you hop in the YouTube comments, which I monitor daily. You ask a question, you get it answered here on the show. This one came in from at Phase underscore Cameron 22. I assume it's FaZe, Faiz, maybe. We're going to go with FaZe. FaZe Cameron asks, wondering when you expect some of these commitments. Justin Hopkins from On3, and uh, I believe he works for On3, uh, but follows Oregon recruiting very closely, said we should expect a huge July here in the dead period. One thing right off the top that's important to remember when talking about recruiting and when these guys are going to commit is Though there is uh, an element of tag teaming to to college football recruiting, guys talking about like, hey, are, are you going to go here? Because I want to go here, and you know it's more prominent in college basketball, but it certainly exists in in college football. We'll get to that a little bit with uh, with Dante Moore here in just a moment. But each of these guys is, is really their their own player operating on their own timeline. So there's not a, a required date that they have to commit by. It's just about you know, it's about feel. It's about when they uh, when they want to commit or when they feel like how much time they want to give to the process. Each guy is unique, and so that's why you see them kind of bouncing around. I think, you know, Oregon's been very secondary heavy with the commitments, at least lately. I think more than anything, that's just a coincidence. And other guys' timelines just happen to be, you know, shaping up on the on the time frame that, that we've seen so far. But... 
you know, some guys are for a variety of factors. Maybe it's another sport. Maybe it's a, a family situation. Maybe it's, you know, wanting to give another, other schools uh, another unofficial visit or another run through another conversation. I mean, there's a whole bevy of factors that, that can play into, you know, when a recruit ultimately decides to, to choose where he's going to play his college football. Cause remember, and, and it doesn't always matter that the caliber of player either. Oregon's top recruit in the class of 2022. Who is it? Josh Connerly. That's the last recruit that I talked about. I, I think Casper might have come after him because he reclassified to, to 2022. But Josh Connerly is Oregon's highest rated recruit in, in this 2022 cycle. He didn't commit until I'm pretty sure it was sometime in April. So some guys just you know, have their, their own reasons for when they're pushing this sort of stuff off. And I, I'd expect it to run throughout the course of July, right? Some guys like Mateo Uyunglele looks like he'll be one of the later guys to, uh, to, to ultimately make his commitment, but some guys will be a little bit sooner. So uh, Deshaun Womack, four-star defensive lineman, he's going to commit on July 4th. That's next week. I'm recording this on the 28th of June, dropping on the 29th. So that is next week, next uh, Monday, I think, something like that. We we can all look up when the 4th of July is. You don't need me to tell you. So he's committing on July 4th. Caleb Presley, another potential member of the secondary, he's committing on July 5th. He's down to – he's a four-star DB out of the state of Washington. Huskies have been – uh, known for their ability to get uh, highly rated corners up there and send them to the NFL. So maybe they've got an in-state advantage there. Maybe the fact that they're the in-state school or that they're the biggest program up there between them and Washington State is the only reason Presley's got him there. Don't really know. But he's down to Bama, UCLA, Oregon, uh, UW, A&M, and Michigan State as well. So two, four, uh, two, four, six schools in the running there for Caleb Presley. His commitment will come down on July 5th. David Hicks is announcing his top seven this Friday. That's the top-rated defensive lineman in the class of 2023 out of the state of Texas. Oregon is looking at a lot of defensive linemen out of the state of Texas. Vasek is from there, and uh, I believe Terrence Green is also from uh, the state of Texas. So a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball in the trenches coming out of the Lone Star State that Oregon is looking at this year. But he's announcing his top seven on July 1st, right? So that's when he's narrowing it down. That that means that from a timeline point of view, in terms of when Hicks will ultimately make his, his verbal commitment, you have to be looking at least at mid-July. I mean, you're not going to drop a top seven and then pick one you know, a, a week later or so. Some guys like to go down from a top seven to a top three. And some guys go from top seven to a top five, like Jaden Rashada did, and then he left the Ducks off. But remember, Rashada, a perfect example of what I'm talking about. When I talked to him at the OT7 tournament in Las Vegas, he seemed very unsure about where he wanted to go. And he, of course, was because Florida was seen as the leader. He ultimately chose Miami, but Oregon was in the running at the time. And he had his top five and he was going to commit that Saturday, but then he pushed it back. But he trimmed his schools down to three. So all these guys... You just have to follow it, right? I mean, that, that's what I'm here for, right? That's I'm, I'm here for all of you so that you don't have to keep your ear to the ground and follow along you know, closely and check your phone constantly. That's what I am here for, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now. Thanks to all of you who have done so already. Uh, I wanted to slide in just a little bit of daily positivity here. Uh, Richard Young, five-star running back, Mateo Uyunglele, who's one of my top targets for the Ducks in this class of 2023. I think he would be awesome. Kayvon Thibodeau, tight player. I mean, not quite uh, the player Thibodeau is, but he'd be pretty darn close from uh, from what we've been able to discern so far in his high school career. 
we got the last official visit for both of them. And is it a game changer? No. But would I rather have either the first or last visit than like the second or third? You know, you you can take up to five official visits. Yes, I would rather be able to make the first impression or the last impression. So hopefully that spells good news for the Ducks, but we'll, we'll see where those guys end up going. I, I don't feel very confident about Richard Young. The crystal balls right now have him going to Alabama. Those are not always wrong, or they're, they're not always right. I mean, they, they can be wrong, but I think right now Oregon would take them being correct because we've got him for Dante Moore. And speaking of positivity, I saw a picture of Dante Moore with Marcus Mariota, which just made me so happy as a Duck fan. It just, it warms the heart to see him in and around the school trying to get uh, trying to get a big-time quarterback to come to campus. There's another element to Dante Moore having been on Oregon's campus recently that is rather significant and hopefully is going to spell good news for Duck fans. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless or intimidating questioning when you can just save time and money using Rock Auto, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com That little uh, tidbit that I teased about Dante Moore. He was on campus over the weekend with a number of other big-time recruits, and there was that image of him with Richard Young over here and Dante Dowdell right here. And you got what could have could possibly be a glimpse of the future. I don't anticipate that being the case. I think the Ducks will be able to keep Dowdell in the class of 2023, and I hope to be able to get Dante more. The good news that I'm finally going to give you here, won't string you along any further, is that Dante Moore already took his official visit to Oregon. He was there on an unofficial over the weekend, and he was there on his own dime. So that means he wanted to be there at that time when there were all those other big-time recruits there. It is not a hop, skip, and a jump from a theorizing perspective to say maybe he wanted to be there to help recruit other guys to Oregon. He hasn't committed to Oregon. He's got some crystal balls to Oregon, but nothing is official at this point in time. That's me covering myself for... Uh, a potential jinx, but that's the vibe that you get. I mean, why else would you go on that particular weekend? Not the one before when there were, you know, a handful of of big time players and prospects and whatnot, or recruits, I guess is the word you use at the college level, but we all know what I'm trying to say. He went on the weekend where there was an extensive list, more so than the previous weekend. To me, that's a really good sign. I hope it is. And if I had to choose between Richard Young and Dante Moore, I'm going to take Dante Moore because Oregon's running back future is a lot more set in stone right now and a lot deeper than the quarterback room where we've only got three scholarship players on the roster at this time. And in 2023, that could very easily be down to two. I think from, you know, what, what, uh, I'm going to start that over. Sometimes you start a sentence, you don't know where you're going and you realize this just didn't come out right. Here are my hopes for what I would like to see happen for Oregon on the recruiting trail in the coming weeks as these commitments start to trickle in. And remember, Duck fans, 
They're not all going to go Oregon's way. We're not getting every single one of these guys. I saw this tweet from, I think it was James Crepia, and there was a picture of like Dante Moore and Mateo and Richard Young and a bunch of other guys. And, and it said, if Oregon got a commitment from all of these players, it would be the number one recruiting class in the country. And I'm like, if I were five foot eight, I might have gone, or if I were not five foot eight and I were six foot five instead, I might have gone to college for free. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs there. Again, I feel good about where we're at in recruiting, but let's pump the brakes on Oregon's gonna, you know, get the sort of recruitment. And I'm happy to take an L. That would be the best L I've ever taken here on the show. But I'm telling you, don't let's let's just like have some managed expectations here, Duck fans. Here's what I'd like to see happen. Get Dante Moore. That's a big headline recruit. That's a big-time quarterback. Be the highest-rated quarterback recruit in school history, even higher than Ty Thompson. I would like to see them get at least one of David Hicks, Jaden Wayne, and Mateo Uyangalale. I think Jaden is going to be the first to commit of those guys. Hicks, probably the last, maybe Mateo. I mean, those guys both seem to be really early in their processes right now. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, and and don't appear to be in any hurry. But I think if you get one of those guys, you'd be in really good shape. If you could get two, that's knocking it out of the park if you could get two of those guys. Worthy of note, someone I mentioned on, on the show, I think it was yesterday, Johnny Bowens today decommitted verbally from Texas A&M, right? Obviously, none of these guys have sent an NLI. That's different than NIL, which I'm going to get to later in the show, courtesy of a mailback question. But Johnny Bowen's a four-star defensive lineman, 6'4", 270 pounds from Converse, Texas. Again, we're going heavy in the Lone Star State here. Decommitted from Texas A&M. He was on Oregon over the weekend on an unofficial visit. That may be coincidental, maybe not, but he was with a bunch of other guys who were looking at Oregon. He was on campus, and then a couple of days later, he decommits from Texas A&M. Those are just the facts. You make of that what you will. Other names like Deshaun Womack and Terrence Green are, are names to follow as well. They're on the defensive line. Uh, Womack committing on, on July 4th, so that'll be, that'll be next week. Then an, another thing that I would like to see Oregon do, because... I want him to build it from the defense up. That's what Dan Lanning has said he wants to do. That's what he should want to do because that's what he knows. That's what he learned at Georgia and brief time at Alabama, but primarily at Georgia. That's what they did. That's the model he's going for. You can clearly still win in college football having a top-tier defense. Got to be able to do some things on offense as well. It can't be it can't be all defense, but I think Oregon could could start to build, you know, one of the one of the better defenses we've seen here in uh in eugene since you know 2019 was really really good uh like really really good yeah javon holland and thomas graham and diamondor lenore and thibodeau and troy die and um yeah those are I, isaac slade mato atia like those are th- that was a really good defense statistically they're also a very very good defense but the other area i want oregon to look at and i've talked about this on the show before and i'm glad to see the staff moving in that direction is at the offensive line. There are a lot of four-star offensive linemen who are part of that big recruiting weekend that we saw a few days ago. After this season, when you're going to lose at least four, probably five starting offensive linemen, you never know how many of the portal, I think they need to load up. So 
I would like to see them get at, at least three, but maybe more of, of the of the guys we've seen come through. You know, a, a Miles McVay, Olaus Allenin, Micah Benuelos, who was just uh, named an Under Armour All-American. He was on campus recently. The, those are guys who have been in uh, in the Oregon recruiting cycle, or news cycle, I should say, pretty recently. But another name to keep an eye on, Samson Okunlola, five-star offensive lineman. Ducks are are very hot on the trail for him. So are a bunch of other schools nationally. But I want to see him go heavy offensive line. I mean, I, I think the trenches right now, this year and next year, are you know where Oregon needs to have their their biggest focus. I have plenty of questions about the defensive line for this year, but the next year, those same questions will return. And then the offensive line is going to have to be built from the ground up. You got Connerly, there's one. Every other position, it's wide open. Maybe it'll be a Bram Walden or a Jonah Miller, but you got to start to have these guys on the roster and have them available. Because as we saw this year, you have to have uh, a backup plan when the attrition comes to pass because it's just inevitable. And having a guy like Dawson Jaramillo who can come in, play multiple positions, and, and be really effective. Shout out to Lake Oswego where I went to high school. Um, I watched him play in high school, actually. Called a couple of his games. And uh, yeah, he was a big, powerful dude back then. And he uh, still is. Um, that that that's th- th- Those are my hopes. Those are my hopes for the coming weeks. I think getting Richard Young is... It's a bonus, right? I, I'm not expecting that. I don't think that's something that, that Oregon needs. Would it be awesome? Yes. But if he goes to Alabama, am I looking at this class and going, and I think Samuel and Pemba, five-star athlete, kind of in that class as well. Oregon feels like they're a little bit more on the outside looking in for him. But uh, again, you never know. Stuff can change pretty quickly because we we're on the outside looking in for Dante Moore a couple months ago, and that's not the case anymore. So I think guys like Richard Young and Samuel and Pemba, like, do I want him? Of course. But do I feel like we need him to where if they go elsewhere, I'd be like, boy, it kind of feels like you missed an opportunity there. Not not as much. I think the Oregon running back room is fine. Somebody wants to know about NIL and how Oregon is handling NIL. And that's a great and important question because it's just a part of college football right now. I'll tell you about it after I tell you Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, which have since passed, but Major League Baseball, go Mariners, in full swing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Betting on golf is electric, by the way. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So this is uh, another question from a listener. And again, DMs wide open. Smalls underscore 55 at Locked on Ducks. YouTube comments, tweet the hashtag AskLODpod. You get a question answered here on the show. The questions keep rolling in, and I absolutely love it for two reasons. Number one, I want to know what's on your mind. And number two, I love that you're passionate enough about the show and, and trust me to answer a question thoroughly enough to where you'd want to ask. So keep them coming. Ask me anything, preferably about the Ducks, but if you want to ask me a philosophical life question, maybe I'll go into it here on the show. Adam Spain hits me up on the Twitter direct messages, as the youth say, and says, or asks, does Oregon have an NIL collective like Texas A&M, Tennessee, and Florida, or are they doing something different with NIL? So first, before we get into that, let's define some terms here. And the uh, key term in that question is a collective. 
which, by definition, is an organization that is formed and acts as an agency to support athletes from a specific school. They work with brands on behalf of an athlete and kind of serve as an intermediary between the two to, to figure out partnerships that can be beneficial for both parties. Fans are often able to subscribe and purchase access to support their school's college athletics. These are subscription and brand deals, not donations. Different things, right? You can't donate money and have it go to an NIL collective, at least... You know, like th those are separate entities there because these collectives are not affiliated with the colleges and universities. This is a very important distinction when talking about NIL. And when you're on the water cooler or at the sports bar in your living room hosting a party or whatnot, and this conversation comes up, you should be informed on this. And so I am here doing what I can. NIL collectives are not run by the school. They can be and they are school specific, but that doesn't mean that they're run by the school. Do we understand the difference there? I hope so. This is not a live show, so I can't obviously get immediate feedback. But if you want to DM me and say, hey, this doesn't make sense or uh, hop in the YouTube comments, say you're making perfect sense. Thanks for the explanation, Spencer. You go ahead and say that as well. Or Spencer, you sound like an idiot. Can you explain better? By all means, just just shout it out there. So they're not run by the school. Collectives can openly state that they're going to work exclusively with athletes from a specific institution, but they can't be, you know, officially sponsored by administrators at the school, right? They're, they're separate entities over here. NIL collective here, school over here. That's the way it's supposed to be. Leave it at that. So Oregon does have an NIL collective, and it was actually the first official one and has received a good amount of praise from people who apparently rank them. That's the thing. So it's called Division Street. People involved with it, Phil Knight, you might have heard of him. He founded uh, this company that began as Blue Ribbon Sports. It turned into Nike. They have this cool swoosh uh, as their logo. It's really pretty nifty. Um, so he's involved with it. Sabrina Ionescu, Tyro Crosby, Tony Washington, uh, and other past alums and marketing executives. Um, at least that's the... Uh, Again, this is the stuff I'm, I'm looking up. I didn't, you know, reach out to them for official comment and whatnot, but those are uh, the people who are listed as there was, this, there was this database that I was going through and looking at organs and those are people who was listed as uh, being involved with it. So what, what Division Street, which is the name of the NIL Collective does, quote, is structured to help student athletes build their brands and market off their NIL, name, image, and likeness. Oregon has created a group of some of the top minds in the sports marketing world. Now, On3 had uh, a lot of nice things to say about Division Street, calling it, you know, kind of like a, a gold standard model and a really well thought out, well organized and, uh, you know, legal and not messy NIL collective as well. They also have a relationship with Open Doors which allows any third party to access a directory of student athletes they'd wish to partner with, which is what NIL is supposed to be. You go to college first and then other, you know, uh, third parties, right? Like a, a business or somebody like that comes to the athlete and says, Hey, we're interested in partnering so that you could sponsor our product on your Instagram page and we'll pay you several thousand dollars or whatever the case may be. And open doors uh, allows every Oregon student athlete to create their own profile that can be customized and promoted to fans on their personal and social media. And Open Doors also works with them on, on content, education, 
and compliance. So content, you know, actually putting stuff out there that allows, you know, brands and companies to come to you and say, hey, we're going to, you know, work with you to, to make a social media post or a graphic or a picture or an ad for or whatever the case may be. Education to, to tell them, right, not talking about the classroom stuff, but education about NIL and the opportunities that are there and how the marketing works and how they, you know, can best utilize their, their, their potential for those sorts of opportunities. And then compliance, you know, obviously being in, uh, in code with all the rules and understanding that, you know, someone reaches out to you, then you report it through, through open doors. And then that reports back to uh, the school. Again, the collectives are separate, but that's you know something that uh, that the school has available for the athletes, where they can create the profile, and then they can be contacted by outside parties who are interested in in partnering with them. Um, so he, uh, I almost forgot, uh, Adam, Adam Spain, guy on Twitter asking me this question, also asked about uh, Tennessee and Texas A&M. They've both got something that, that's really similar. So like Tennessee's NIL collective is called Spire, which they listed as the top collective in the country. That's according to Zachary Neal over at Ducks Wire. Uh, quote, thus far, they've been the most aggressive in the landscape and openly said that they're aiming to generate at least $25 million annually to put in the pockets of student athletes or recruits. We know they've gotten a head start on that. Texas A&M's is called Amplify, and uh, their their mission statement is, quote, Amplify will serve Texas A&M student-athletes with best-in-class education and resources related to personal branding, networking, finance, media training, and more. Specific programs and topics include building a digital brand, effective networking, social media and audit analysis, mock interviews, etc. So j- just about every major school has something like that, and Oregon has it, right? They're in that space, and they got into it with uh, with Division Street pretty early. And again, I just want to reiterate that distinction. It's not officially associated with the university. That doesn't mean it can't be a university-specific collective, right? That's totally allowed. It just can't be, you know, run and operated by people within the within the administration, right? There, there, there are separate things there. The school is involved in some sense through open doors, to my understanding, because they're, you know, ensuring that that the student athletes are are compliant with you know, all, all the rules and guidelines that they have right now, which at the moment are not as extensive as I think they will be in a couple of years from an NCAA level, but Oregon's got it. They're all in on it. Phil Knight is there. And, and that's what you'd expect. That's what you'd want as an Oregon fan, right? You think NIL opportunities in Oregon, you, you think Phil Knight and what he can do for that. So that's now, uh, uh, that's a recruiting tool that Oregon has and you have to, right? I mean, you, you don't have to love it out there necessarily. I'm sure there are plenty of fans out there who, who are not, not big fans of it, but it's part of the world now. It's it's just part of the world. It, it reminds me a little bit of the the facilities race, right? And Oregon got into that when Phil Knight came in and was willing to invest a bunch of money in the university. And you know, I'm sure there were people back then, and the internet wasn't quite as as big and popular as it is now. I mean, it was you know still around, but back when everybody was building these insane facilities and making these big time investments, which they're still doing, but when it was, you know, first getting started and whatnot, and the first schools were making hundred million dollar investments in facilities, I'm sure there are people who said, oh, this is not, you know, what, what college sports are, are, are about. And this is not what, and I think there is a, a downside to NIL as it pertains to college sports. I won't go into that right now, but I'm just saying, I think that it's part of where you have to be as a program if you're going to keep pace with everybody else on the recruiting trail, you have to have that option, right? You don't have to, you know, go into the weeds and do some shady stuff in order to get recruits, but you need to have it available as, as an option to go to recruit and say, 
here are what your here here's what your opportunities are. Here's where you know we can help you get in touch with the right people to talk about what sort of uh, financial opportunities you could have here at the University of Oregon as a student athlete. So, Adam. Great question. Thank you for the question. Division Division Street is the way that uh, that Oregon's working working with NIL there and and helping all the all the athletes out in their uh, in their NIL financial pursuits. Keep the questions coming. Asking about anything, rosters, recruiting, you name it, I got the answers. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.